0: everyone in the meeting is like doing tons of coke it's the 1980s and they're like right. yes tell me more and they're like that don't stop there now no. i got a character named juan sanchez villalobos <laughs> yeah. from yeah. it is exactly so we get to play him <laughs> scottish actor sean sure. connery <laughs> 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 it's amazing <laughs>
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Cinema Ball. I'm here with my co-host and opponent, Ebony Astor. Hey, Ebony. Hey, Carol. If you listen to our teaser, you already know what Cinema Ball is. But to sum it up really quickly, my current goal is to get both of us to watch the 1998 Jean-Claude Van Damme film, knockoff. <laughs> oh my um, God! I know, every time, right, we realize that, that is the goal of this endeavor. <laughs> I
0: know, I know. It's... I can't believe we both signed up for this, but yeah, moving on. it's so,
1: it's so absurd. Um, so Ebony, um, in our teaser, has kicked the cinema ball into play by selecting Highlander as our first movie. And so today we are going to discuss that 1986 cult classic. And then at the end of this episode, I'll announce our next film, which has to be directly linked to Highlander through an actor, a director, etc. Um, Ebony, since you selected Highlander, you start us off. Like, give us a bit of background on this film. Absolutely. Okay, so uh,
0: if y'all listen to the teaser, you know how excited I was to reveal to Carolyn <laughs> how yeah. delighted I was to talk about this movie. So yeah, Highlander comes out in 1986. And this movie is so... It's such a perfect little gem of the nineteen eighties. I almost couldn't stand yeah. it. Like it was it was just like going back into my childhood. Yeah and like I was nostalgia for days like fuck ready player one. Give me yes. Highlander because it gave me everything. So yeah. just like a quick overview. So the director is this guy named Russell Mulcahy, right? He's an Australian guy, and he is known and this will shock absolutely no one when you hear it he is largely known for directing music videos yes. which is great because Highlander yep. is essentially a string of music it's, videos strung together those
1: <laughs> like early MTV sensibilities are just like yes. visible throughout this film and yes. uh, you know he uh, he actually directed Kind of interesting little bit of trivia. He directed the video for the song Video Killed the Radio Star, which was the first video to ever air on MTV. So just a little, like, historical fun fact there.
0: Exactly. So, you know, like, just iconic you know, 80s aesthetics uh, going on in this movie. Interestingly, um, so Mulcahy also directed the second film in the trilogy. This is something I just learned today, but apparently hated it so much. He tried to Alan Smithy his way out of it. For those of you who don't know, if a director completes a project and for whatever reason, they are like radically unhappy with the final project, they can campaign to have their name taken off and the name Alan Smithy, which is kind of like a generic um, non-director's name (laughs) placed on on the project so their real name is not associated with it <laughs> apparently because he wasn't a member of the dga he wasn't able to do that
1: so yeah. he tried
0: to alan smithy his way out of the quickening which I, frankly if you've seen it i would have to um but but wasn't <laughs> able to do that so yeah
1: i mean this film spawned not only that sequel but like i think a total of Five or five sequels, maybe. Yeah, five sequels. Uh, there's currently six movies. But in yeah. it, like TV and, shows, and a comics, TV show. Yeah.
0: Novels, yeah. Yes. computer games, animated yeah. series, and again, learn today. Apparently there was a Highlander card game, like a kind of you know, Magic oh, the Gathering rad. kind of situation. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, like if you have Highlander needs, the universe the, is prepared to deliver on those needs, you know?
1: It there, absolutely is. There's a there's a vast wealth of Highlander material out there just waiting for you. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. So but let's talk about where it all began with this yes. film Highlander. So um uh it actually opens with a Sean Connery voiceover and I read this this to me is ludicrous. I read this in researching for this episode.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um I think this was on IMDB in their trivia section or something, or it was somewhere. It said, the opening, so the opening voiceover by Connery has an echo effect because it was recorded in the bathroom of his Spanish villa where, and and, and this is the part, this is the part that that makes me go, what the fuck? Um, where he had been working on his Spanish accent for the film no, with uh-uh, a voice no, coach. Okay. Like, Th- okay, let's wrap up this exactly episode like right Sean now. Connery. There is zero <laughs> accent happening in yeah, this film. Okay.
0: Let's just let's just go ahead and start there with the yeah. casting for yeah. this movie, which at every level oh, is a fucking delight it's, because it's fantastic. You, you, you say to yourself, like, okay. We are going to invest some serious money in um, a wide ranging, like kind of expansive, fantastical story about a Scottish Highlander. Who do we get to play? We get Frenchman Christopher yes. Lambert. Yes. <laughs> you know and then you know everyone in the meeting is like doing tons of coke it's the 1980s and they're like yes tell me more and they're like that don't stop there now I have a character named Juan Sanchez Villalobos (laughs) Ramirez exactly so we get to play him
1: (laughs) Scottish actor Sean Connery (laughs) 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 Like, Juan, <laughs> hearing Sean Connery say that his name is Juan Sanchez Villalobos, Villalobos Ramirez is like, it's that just that moment in and of itself is spectacular. Oh my God.
0: It, like I never got over it and yeah. I had forgotten before. So, you know, I saw this movie probably, I don't know, three, four times when, when I was a kid, but I hadn't seen it since then. So in the course of rewatching it for this show... <laughs> I had forgotten that not only is Sean Connery playing a uh, man with the name Juan Sanchez Villalobos is but he is actually Egyptian. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He at one point just tosses out on, I'm Egyptian. I'm Egyptian. It's- I, just, I just thought like, okay, this movie is so committed to just not answering any, like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> provoking a lot of questions and then refusing to answer. Yeah. <laughs> why things are created they way they are. So, yeah, just right there, when you see the casting for this film, it tells
1: you pretty much what yeah. you're getting into. It really does. But, I mean, I have to say, you know, uh, the movie, I cannot really imagine this movie without Lambert at the center of it, because yeah. he... Um, I've never seen him in anything that made me think, oh, he's, like, a legitimately good actor. Mm-hmm. But um, because he he seems to operate in such a narrow range. But yeah. what I think he does have is tremendous just presence and, like, charisma. And, mm-hmm. you know, th- like, a running thing in this film, actually, is that, um, it, it, you know, his, like would-be girlfriend at one point says you know you're you're some people are afraid of dying that's not your problem you're afraid of living like he Mm -hmm. actually is kind of a boring guy like he's but but he still on screen has this like there's this sense of a controlled energy in him at all times and it and it helps too that Russell McKay Mm-hmm. Is such a such a visual yes. uh, stylist. You know, the the very first time we see uh, McLe- Connor McCloud, mm-hmm. um, he's in like Madison Square Garden for a wrestling to watch a wrestling yes. match for some reason. But that first establishing shot of him as a character, his eyes are just like lit in such a way mm-hmm. that you know you you're, you they just they just like. They are just such piercing, like, charismatic, intense eyes in that shot. And immediately, like, I'm... I'm into this person as a character. I'm like Oh yeah, this thing is
0: I mean, it is absolutely fascinating to watch. The the lighting and the staging Mm -hmm. and the fight scenes is really incredibly well done. Like, don't don't misunderstand. When I say that this movie is essentially, you know, three or four music videos strung together, I mean that in the best way. Like the the rhythms are great. There is um the quickening when it finally happens. It might as well be a, a heavy metal album cover. It's, it is exactly. absolutely beautiful and just yeah. like visually impactful, and you I was, can't take your eyes off it. Yeah,
1: and I was thinking about that. I was thinking, you know, if they were to remake this film today, there would be it would be some like elaborate CGI thing yeah. happening there. But in this, it's like it's like hand drawn mm-hmm. animation or something like just layered over the film, and it has such a such a distinctive. Effect, you know, of the, yeah. the energy swirling and everything. It's, it's, you know, and, and and I sometimes think, well, there's a certain character that films. Ha- I mean, obviously, like there's there are still directors who use practical effects and everything, and th- mm-hmm. thank goodness for that because I love that stuff. <laughs> but but I do feel like you know it, the tendency to rely on CGI for for so much stuff. We have sort of lost something in mm-hmm. the in the visual character of, like, contemporary cinema.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting, actually, just to go back to your um, your statement about Christopher Lambert and, like, you know, his presence on screen. I had a, a different reaction, but now, Carol, yeah. as often happens when we get together, I am forced to question my reaction and wonder if maybe there was something going on that I wasn't picking up on. So Christopher Lambert, I basically, I know him from Highlander and I know him from Greystoke, the legend of Tarzan, which is another movie I loved in the Uh eighties. And I remember thinking he was so great in that, but in this, I kept thinking like, is the issue that he's, he's not a good actor. He's not conveying emotional, but I think you might be right that there's, there's something about, Christopher Lambert and the way he looks and the way he, he holds himself and his very intense gaze in this movie that does demonstrate to you that there's there's a lot going on yeah. behind and, the eyes.
1: And you to know? me, to me, that results in a fascinating uh, dichotomy between him and this film's wonderful, wonderful villain, uh, Kurgan, or the Kurgan, oh, uh, oh played by Clancy Brown and <laughs> yes. this character, I mean, he's a he's a monster. He's absolutely mm-hmm. like but he lives. I mean, he has such yes. a lust for life on yes. every level. And yeah. so he is sort of, you know, the the opposite of McCloud in that sense of just mm-hmm. like I mean, every every moment that he's on screen, Clancy Brown is just doing something like wild and i yes. mean exciting like really yeah like exciting. like grabbing
0: someone and throwing them across the room yeah. or growling or just yeah, like yeah. vibrating with energy yeah. clancy brown uh talk about like you know the the 80s being in full effect in this movie the kurgan's visual aesthetic is straight oh. out of a like middle-aged man's fever dream about the dangers of punk And heavy metal, right? So, like, the satanic panic, punk peril, you know? (laughs) Like, it was absolutely... All he needed was, like, and he might have had, and I missed it, like, safety pin earrings. And, you know, it would have completed the look.
1: And there's also, like, there's a shot uh, in this film where the camera is, like, in front of him as he's walking sort of toward the camera down this narrow hallway in, like, a cheap really cheap, like, fleabag hotel in, mm-hmm. in New York City. And it was very reminiscent to me. Actually, so the, the James Cameron's The Terminator came out uh, in 1984, I believe. So it actually mm-hmm. preceded this film. But, you know, there's the famous scene in The Terminator where The Terminator goes to the police station and just sh- sh- kills everyone, just shoots mm-hmm. everyone up. And there's a similar shot in that of the camera, like, in front of him as he's just walking down the hall, you know, just shooting people left and right and I I thought you know Kurgan the Kurgan has a a similar evokes a similar kind of physical yeah uh, uh, like hulkingness and unstoppability but but you know unlike the Terminator there's also this like goof almost goofiness to the Kurgan like you know he's kind of clumsy sometimes Mm -hmm. you know but he's just so he just is so brute force powerful that it doesn't matter that he's like kind of kind of goofy and clumsy, but yeah. you know he has that he has that element to him too, which I which I love. Well, speaking of the goofiness, like, yeah.
0: what did you think about like the tone of the movie? Because occasionally oh. I felt like the humor would be kind of weirdly placed, you know, yeah. um, and you know kind of oddly situated, um, and I didn't know if again, you know, if this was because I thought like uh, Lambert had kind of a a hard time selling it with his very particular, completely unidentifiable, Uh vaguely European accent, you know? Because, you know, I I didn't have the same trouble with Sean Connery, who is pretty much a parody of himself, right? So, like, anything he delivers, he embraces, like, the the larger-than-life, like, the campiness, you know, the ludicrousness of it.
1: He was just, at this point in his career, he was just taking fat paychecks to do the Sean Connery thing, to be the <laughs> Sean Connery character, you yeah, know? And, 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 yeah, well,
0: apparently, you know, he's, <laughs> he was somewhere in a Spanish villa, you yeah. know, telling the director, like,
1: yeah, I'm working on my <laughs> Spanish accent. My Spanish <laughs> accent. <laughs> oh, my God. Amazing. <laughs> so um, good. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, so the, the humor in the film is just, I mean, a lot of it's just really bad and dated like Mm -hmm. i mean i don't even know if it passes for humor but there's a line you know we we sort of for a while we follow these uh these cops um you know who ultimately don't really do serve any function in the story other than to like provide like give the the film an excuse to be uh for exposition Mm -hmm. um one of them his uh, famous character actor and Cohen brothers like staple John Polito. Yes. Who I did not I literally did not recognize because, you know, A, he's like a little younger and yeah. maybe thinner thinner in this film, but most importantly, he had no mustache. <laughs> right? And like how am I gonna recognize John Polito without a mustache? <laughs> um I,
0: I was lucky in that I did recognize him but purely because as you say Cohen brothers uh you know staple yeah I can't see him now without thinking of that scene from the big Lebowski where he's like you know can't you help out a brother Seamus?
1: so like every time yeah. he was on screen I was like
0: come on help out a brother Seamus.
1: yeah 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 right <laughs> so but the, but in the it, at the police station like there's a quote unquote joke I guess in the film where the the sort of old, Jaded workhorse cop Frank, you know, um, uh, who you just you see him and you immediately know this character because he, he's got the styrofoam cup mm-hmm. of coffee yeah. in his hand. He's that he's that detective. Yeah, um, you know, he's he gets off a phone call and he says something like, uh, uh, "That guy's Vietnamese neighbor ate his dog." Oh and Jesus! It's like this, yeah, you know, this really like, uh, "Come on!" You right, know? right. Like Uh, like the the casual
0: racism that you could just toss off in a, you know, police precinct and have it be okay in the 80s. Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah. But, you know, I I took so many screenshots actually during this film of just moments that just visually to me were so striking and so beautiful. I'll probably – you know, in, in the blog post for this episode on our website, I'll probably include some of those, just as, like, a little gallery of, like, what I think are some of the cooler images in this film. Cool. Um, I think
0: what you should do is put them side by side with some Nagel prints, because basically ah, anytime they were up against, like, the silhouette of a cityscape, <laughs> I was yeah. like, this is like a Nagel print. Brought. Children, Google it. Nagel. Yeah, N-A-G-E-L. Yeah. You'll see exactly yeah. what I'm talking about here, and you'll be yeah. like, oh, yeah, I remember that.
1: Uh, and, you know... There's just another like ludicrous plot detail that I have to mention. So there's this uh, the woman who works in forensics at the uh, at the police station and who's kind Brenda. of Brenda. Brenda, thank you. Like, okay, I have to I have to try to find it in my in my notes here. Um, While you're I,
0: looking for that, can I just say? So yeah. I, I I have several questions. All right, yeah. about
1: this movie. One of them is about Brenda, and I
0: was like. And basically, it's just a rhetorical question. You mean to tell me that this woman who just happens upon this, this police forensics uh, specialist, just happens to also be a that, world-renowned expert on? Sword. Exactly. That's
1: exactly what I was looking for. Is the title of the book that she wrote, which is oh this? God. It's this huge fucking tome, yeah. and the title just happens to be a metallurgical history <laughs> of ancient sword making like i mean yeah. like she has to be the world's premier scholar expert everything right. on that stuff and she just happens to be the like forensics yeah,
0: she just happens what? to be in like, that precinct yeah. in New York like, in this period of time like, why like hey you, like
1: l- lucky why aren't you teaching it like teaching metallurgical yeah. sword making at Columbia or something instead of like, I don't know
0: I don't- it was it was the the again, this goes back to um what I was saying about the film and <laughs> just not bothering to answer questions like you know, just throwing stuff out there and being like, just deal with it, okay, just yeah. deal with it and actually there's there's a way in which this movie doesn't bother to really explain itself. And sure. none of the internal logic holds up when you, yeah. when you really parse yeah. it out. Right? And, like, and like, and that's kind of marvelous.
1: Yeah. When McCloud even asks uh, uh, Sanchez, um, you know, why, why am I this way? You know, his response is like, why does this why does the sun rise in the morning? You know, or whatever. Like Very good
0: impression. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that's and that's allowed to stand, right? And it's like, no, I'm gonna need a little bit more. Yeah. I grew up thinking I was a a normal person. Right. I was mortally wounded in battle, came back to life, and now you're just telling me it is what it is. I'm gonna need a little bit more from you. But I think, you know, like Okay, so the, the movie comes out in 1986. It's it's not you know a critical or popular success right. immediately, right? But it becomes this this huge cult film and spawns this you know just incredibly expansive franchise. Um, but no one knew at the beginning when this was released that that was going to be necessary. There was yeah. a, there was there was a time when you know uh, fantastic films could do like genre films could do this in a way that I don't think modern films are allowed to do. Like Mm -hmm. modern audiences kind of expect and demand really detailed um, and you know, nitty gritty world building and in a way they almost expect a franchise from the first get-go right so uh, they want to know that there's an incredible backstory on everyone yeah that there are answers to absolutely everything that every side character who walks by in the background that you can screenshot on youtube has a name etc but this film doesn't give you that i mean later they build upon it in the franchise but in this first one they're just it really is just a giant like fuck you yeah. deal with
1: it and, and I think you're absolutely right. Like I think that um, there is this, there is a very common way uh, today of approaching films as like every film has a kind of puzzle box to be solved mm-hmm. or yeah. something. And I just find that to be such a a reductive mm-hmm. way of having a relationship with cinema. Or you know, and that's one reason why um, Annihilation was exhilarating to me as a film is because mm-hmm. it didn't. It it was. It allowed for more ambiguity. it didn't yeah. really try to you know if you come to annihilation wanting like all the answers, you are gonna walk out you know pissed off and mm-hmm. th- and I'm glad that the film is willing to do that
0: yeah yeah um, and, and i mean, I haven't seen annihilation I mean I know that the yeah. the movie is based upon a book that is part of a trilogy, correct? Yeah. So I wonder if that will, uh, if, if what you're saying there will be allowed to continue um, right. in, in the, the movies that I assume uh, will be filmed from now. I don't know <laughs> if the success of the first film um, yeah. will allow for that. But, but yeah, just, you know, like you said, this, this kind of demand for any potential answer I might conceivably have about a film, we want the, um, the, the creators, the writers, the directors, whatever, to be as, you know, to be obsessive fans of their own work and the way that, that we are. I don't know. I just think like, you know, fandom right now, um, I don't want to use the term entitled, but there's a sense of that, right? Like, we want absolutely every impulse of ours to be catered to, and we're, we're not used to anymore dealing with these films that are like, this is what it is, this is what I'm giving you. In a sense, I want you to revel in the fact that this is, you know, like a... This movie might as well be, you know, something that two 10-year-olds bat back and forth between themselves, like, you know, what if you had a sword and, like, (laughs) you you were actually from ancient Egypt, but then you were living in France and you had a castle and, like, then we fight and then, like, there can only be one of us, whatever. Yeah. You know, this film says, just get, like, enjoy yourself.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, one thing I want to touch on before we we uh, wrap up our conversation is Mm -hmm. like uh, the uh, the moments in this film that I that I in which I sense the kind of like subtle queer subtext. So um, get into it. Like so, as uh uh, Juan uh, is uh, (laughs) is uh, teaching uh, Connor about himself. Like there's this kind of whole section. Of uh, the, of them almost kind of, like, frolicking on the beach, you yes, know? And there's, yes. like, so, so much, like, exuberance and joy. Like, this is one of the moments where we do see McCloud really, like, expressing a real emotion. Like, joy mm-hmm. and, and, like, you know, uh, he's, he's living life. And just it, there's something about, like, some of those shots that sort of, you know, it's like I could see this in a you know, swap out one of them for a woman, and I could see this exact shot pretty much oh, in yeah. a in a straight, you know, romantic fi- film mm-hmm. from that period. Oh, um, yeah. Also, you know, on the more kind of, like, disturbing, but really, I think, effective uh, side, um, uh, the Kurgan, when he's at the... And when he's, like, taking refuge in this church, he, like, licks... This, pri- this priest comes up to him and is like, sure, yes. I'm gonna have to, you know, this is the house of God, because he's being a big, obnoxious <laughs> yes. oaf. And, like, he takes the priest's h- arm or hand and just, like, licks, like, all the way up. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's this great, like, really powerful moment. And I love, like, on his way out of the church, I think uh, Kurgan just says, like, just kind of almost for, like, no reason, he announces to, like, the few people who are there, it's better to burn out than to fade away. (laughs) Um,
0: Oh boy. Clancy Brown has never Uh, failed to deliver in any role, any role. I mean, the guy like has never met a piece of scenery that he doesn't want to just gnaw on and just give it to you. I I loved it.
1: And he has the, he has a one of a kind voice that just, I mean, you know, it lends itself to that so well. Yeah, but um, on the
0: other hand, he can also be Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob SquarePants. The guy right. is multi-talented. Absolutely. Before we move on, yeah. I yeah. have to ask you this question because this also sent me around the bend. So, <laughs> yeah, this drove me absolutely cuckoo. So apparently, Connor McLeod has been perpetrating this massive real estate fraud for decades potentially yeah. centuries yeah on this particular loft <laughs> yeah in new york and yeah. the idea is that he finds the name of uh, a young male child who has yeah. died and That's then right. transfers yeah the 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 loft like the deed into that kid's name yeah and yeah. then takes on that kid's identity my question to you I, carol yeah. and i demand answers is how in a real estate market like New York is right. no one catching on to this year that's, on year? <laughs> I,
1: I I really don't know. I think that that is by far the the most implausible thing about this film. Yes, but, yeah. um, but I, I hate
0: that I, that's the thing that like yeah. took me right out of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> but I was just but, like, well, there's just no way that the co op board is going to let this happen.
1: I, I but I totally understand him wanting to hang on to that place because. Yeah. It is so cool. And my favorite favorite thing about it is that he apparently seems to have this, like, private chamber of just stuff that he's collected from like the centuries and sometimes he just like likes to go and retreat and be with his stuff in his like private chamber of stuff yes yes like dude you've got you've got it made man you're doing all right
0: (laughs) it's just I mean it's beautiful I love absolutely but I was like oh yeah you know what you wouldn't have this trouble if you lived in upstate New York and maybe just had like a little farmhouse (laughs) but this goes this leads into another question of mine. At what point do the immortals stop aging? Right. So do you stop aging at your first death, you know, or like, how does it work? Because again, if, Connor McCloud or uh, blanking on whatever fake name he was using, but if Nash, he's Conor McCloud. Yeah. So if he's, you know, Nash one day and yeah. then like he goes away and everybody on the co-op board, he was like, oh yeah, Mr. Nash died. But he he gave his loft to um, Joe Blow and then Joe Blow appears and looks exactly the same yeah. as,
1: <laughs> as Nash. Yeah, you are, <laughs> Yeah, you got to let it go. You got to just, you know. I know. I people know. in people in New York, they're very busy. They're 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 too caught up in their own lives. They don't have time to notice the small details. If like you that. say so, Carolyn. Yeah. If you say so. <laughs> All right. So let's let's uh, start taking it home with one of our special segments. Yes. Uh, we we call this "Freakcast Recast," and this is where oh, yes. We share the actors we would cast in this film's leading roles if you know it were being made today. Yes. So Ebony. We'll start with you. Who would you cast as McLeod in your contemporary remake of Highlander?
0: Yeah. Okay. so this is not, you know, an out of the blue kind of choice. This is going to seem, you know, pretty generic, but I want you to think about it. Like, don't knee jerk reject this. I'm going to suggest Chris Hemsworth.
1: Oh, okay. He's
0: got he's got like the bodily heft, yeah. you know, um, that I think like you think Highland Warrior, like I buy it. But he's also got great comedic timing that yes. I think will come through to support yeah. the inherent ludicrousness of a film yeah. like this. He looks good with long hair as uh-huh. a Highlander in the past, and then in the short hair in the present. So I'm yeah. putting forth Chris Hemsworth.
1: You know, I my pick, I just thought, you know, I only really th- thought about my pick in in terms of the the modern scenes in the film mm-hmm. I think he would do fine there but now that I think about him in the in the uh the, the flashback scenes I'm I'm a little less sure but my choice um uh, because really what I was what I was thinking my line of thought was well who's somebody who can sort of seem dull and uninteresting on the this- <laughs> On the surface, <laughs> on the surface. And yet, for whatever reason, you still find them, like, compelling or charismatic, even though they seem, like, really flat. And so... I, Lee Pace? Was, uh, oh, I Lee. Wow. Carol is it. about to
0: fly to Los Angeles just Dude. to slam a door in my face.
1: I mean, no, Lee. I mean, I uh, I, I, actually think it's a good thing. Like, so I, I actually think Lee Pace could do, could do that quite mm-hmm. well. But uh, I was... My my original pick was Ryan Gosling. Oh, interesting.
0: You know what? Yeah,
1: I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, Cool. Uh, Moving on to uh, to one via. I can never. I can't remember. But yeah, but well, the movie
0: doesn't care either, right? Right, Okay. So I have two selections here. Whether and I am gonna take the bold stance that we should actually fucking pay attention to the mythology the film sets up. Right. All right. All right. So if The guy is, you know, like, um, we want someone Spanish speaking, right? I'm going to go not with Spain, but with Mexico. Uh And I choose the Spanish actor, Damien Bashir, who I think is just an amazing actor, um, and i think you know if folks know him they might know him from the the american version of the bridge that's that's what i know him from but i think sure. you could do something really cool about mexico in the past and like the mayans or something like how long is this yes, guy been around yes, yes, you know yes. like this so often when we we get films or novels or whatever of this type you know we're exploring like a particularly european history and i'm like but what about the history of yeah, other great civilizations of the past yeah. right okay yeah. so if we go that I got Damien Bashir. But uh-huh. if we lean into him being Egyptian, there's an yeah. Egyptian action uh, actor I like called Khaled Al-Nabawi. I'm pronouncing his name wrong. But I think another dude who, like, if you look him up, he uh-huh. just has that kind of gravitas, you know? Yeah. And yeah, that yeah. kind of like quiet intimidation factor that uh-huh. you think someone who's been around for, for millennia, you know, would yeah, have. Yeah, yeah would absolutely earn so those are my two picks
1: you have you thought about this much more seriously and in depth than I did I was like you know I was thinking about those fun scenes kind of like the scenes on the beach and everything and like who's an actor who can kind of bring who you can kind of see as like a goo like a, a a mentor but not like a but it's also fun and, uh-huh. and likable and funny and and stuff. And so, uh, m- my pick was uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> oh my god!
0: Once again, <laughs> I love it.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> That's absolutely perfect. All right, I take back both of my selections. No, 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 no. <laughs> I
1: mean, I think I like our I like our two different visions here. You know, I think they're they're both they both have a lot of merit. Oh, my um, God.
0: Yeah, give The Rock. He, he should be in every movie. There should be at least a cameo role in every film for The Rock. So, yeah. right on. All right, what about The Kurrigan? Who do you got for The Kurrigan?
1: So, uh, I, you know, I was just thinking, man, who can just be, uh, who has the charisma and can make being, like, evil just seem really fun and, and just, like, exciting and, um, you know, uh, so this is I don't think this actor has been in particular specifically this type of role before uh but I'd love to see them do it um I picked uh Michael B Jordan Ooh yeah like I, cuz I mean I think in 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 um in uh, Black Panther, like he's so great as a villain, but yeah. uh, but that character is is all very controlled, very driven, yeah. very focused. And I'd love to see what Michael B. Jordan does with a character where, you know, he's, who has all that charisma and energy, but is like a little more off the rails, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I
0: love it. Uh, my version of the Kurgan, stick with me.
1: Uh-huh. I want a little bit, of the
0: kooky energy from The Fifth Element uh-huh. and a little bit of the ass-kicking from Resident Evil. That's right. Yeah. I'm talking about Mila Jovovich oh! as the Kurgan. Yes. Also is yes. Russian. So yes. I, I yeah. just feel like yeah, the, 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 that, the role casts itself.
1: I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, all right. So we'll both. I'm sure we'll both be hearing from Hollywood producers shortly. Oh yeah. Uh, bidding on our on our different competing Highlander reboots. Yeah, absolutely. Um, our next little uh segment is um, is playlist or nay list. Um, Highlander has songs by the legendary rock band Queen. Um, you know. I, but for me like and I, I like a lot of these songs and I think that the, the way that they are used in the film is sometimes really inspired like mm-hmm. there's a segment a section toward the toward the end where the Kurgan has kidnapped um, what's her face and cause I, <laughs> she's so like not developed that I, I don't I, you know. like, <laughs> yeah but um, and he's like, speeding down the bridge and he's grinding the car against the rails and there's sparks flying and there's this kind of drunk sounding rendition of like new york new york by queen on the soundtrack Mm -hmm. and i'm like yeah you know god that's that's perfect it's perfect for this moment in the film um i don't but you know I don't know that any of these songs are going to, are going to make it into my play, my personal like collection, but I have to say I do. I have been sort of humming to myself and in my head, singing over the past few days, uh, who wants to live Live forever? forever! With love must die. So, you know, I,
0: um. uh, I am adding this stuff to my Spotify playlist. I love nothing more than a, wembley arena sized rock jam i have said it before i will continue to say it when i'm listening to rock music it either it better make me want to fuck somebody or kill somebody (laughs) those are the only two emotions Uh i recognize Uh this uh soundtrack delivers on every level for those two needs um yeah like use it to pump yourself up when you're running on the treadmill when you're doing you know kickboxing class whatever yes i'm into it queen soundtrack yes
1: boom you know, uh, random or quick tangent, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the film Iron Eagle. With, with yes. Like, and that's like, I always, when I think of Queen and movies, <laughs> I think of you know, like Louis Gossett Jr. as kind of the stern um, pilot. Yeah. Uh, but then, like, by the end, you know, with this this punk kid, really talented, uh, you know, phenom pilot who always is listening to, like, Queen when he's flying, you know. And by the, by the end, Louis Gossett Jr. is like, I could get used to this. Let uh, me ask you this, Carol. Uh-huh. You think
0: Iron Eagle. When you think Queen soundtrack, you don't think Flash Gordon? That is very interesting to me.
1: Oh uh, so uh, you know I mean I have to say I mean Flash Gordon maybe a little bit early for me and not uh, I somehow yeah. just kind of missed that whole phenomenon.
0: Well yes. I mean I will, of course I
1: I know Flash oh yeah. you know I know that but I, I never really
0: you know what? I'm starting to think that whoever suggested karaoke uh fem free karaoke <laughs> and last night's Twitch stream was onto something we oh, need no. to get you no. in front of a mic singing oh, your greatest no. hits. <laughs>
1: Um, all right. So finally, uh, it's time for us to actually like render our verdicts on this film. On each episode, we're going to we're going to rate the films and we'll keep a list of all the ratings in the document that you can find uh, in the accompanying podcast description. So that'll just be added to each week as we you know talk about an- another film. But we're using an, an interesting rating system. Ebony, tell the folks at home a bit about the system we'll be using.
0: Yeah, so my brother, shout out to Brian, is convinced that the standard movie rating systems that people are accustomed to, um, whereby you give something four out of five stars, three out of five stars, whatever, something out of five stars, or even you know eight out of ten, nine out of ten, he says these rating systems are insufficient. Uh-huh. They do not allow for. <laughs> Enough nuance. Yes. Enough shades of gray. And yeah. so my brother <laughs> has started to utilize and wishes to promote his hundred point system.
1: <laughs> hundred stars. <laughs> hundred right? like, 100 100 right. stars. That's right. We
0: have a hundred stars to yes. give. Yes, um, yes. And so I we feel are gonna- I
1: feel rich with stars you know exactly
0: you know like there's 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 so much we can do here and i feel like this really allows (laughs) us to to pinpoint um, our exact feelings uh about a film so with surgical precision exactly so i will say in this our inaugural episode of highlander i am giving this film 63 stars
1: okay all right uh i am gonna go i i'm going just a a, a bit higher I am awarding it 71 stars. Wow. 71 out of a 100. so you know kind of in the same ballpark there
0: kind of but you gave it a passing grade. I am essentially yes. telling Highlander it needs work. See me after school. It,
1: yeah, I mean I, you know, I think that this is it's not a film that is going to enrich your life. It's not a film that your life is going to be lacking, you know, some meaningful piece if you don't see it. But I but for me the visual again, the visual sensibilities and the images throughout make it uh, a very sort of worthwhile and entertaining watch. So Right on. Yeah, right on. 71 for me. Now
0: <laughs>
1: now, Ebony, this, I have to tell you, you have no idea how difficult and painful this was for me because, <laughs> um, I mean, I was, I was staggered by the amount of choices that I saw available to me when I started looking into the filmographies of, yeah. of, you know, Clancy Brown, of of, of course, Christopher Lambert. I mean, we all know Sean Connery has a mm-hmm. massive filmography and everything, um, so uh but what, what my my real dilemma came down to was that I could there was a film that I could have selected. <laughs> uh Christopher Christopher Lambert is one of the actors in a in an acclaimed film that I have been <laughs> Wanting to see for years, directed mm-hmm. by uh, by uh, acclaimed director Claire Denis, a film called White Material, uh, very wow. serious, you know, very serious uh-huh. film. But unfortunately, like for, <laughs> for reasons, for reasons of strategy, yes, and, you know, like and moving. Towards my goal of of uh, knockoff starring Jean Claude Van Damme, mm-hmm. with with great pain I had to go in a completely different direction. Oh no! The film next film we are watching, I'm afraid, Ebony, oh. is it's a film called and wait wait for it. <laughs> kickboxer retaliation i hate you so much
0: oh my god
1: (laughs) kickboxer retaliation now christopher lambert is in this film also jean-claude van damme also mike fucking tyson um this is actually a brand new 2018 film it's already on like amazon streaming services so okay but it is a Yes, yeah, so it is a it is a sequel or a, a you know a, a new entry in the the long running legendary kickboxer series yes. of films. Well, um, I'll just read uh, just to tantalize our listen our two listeners yes. and <laughs> encourage them to maybe watch the film so that they can be in on the discussion. You know, in next week's episode, this is just the, the tiny little description from uh, like when you just Google the film. <clears throat> One year after avenging his brother's murder, MMA champion Kurt Sloan finds, him pel- finds himself imprisoned by a powerful gangster in Thailand. To win back his freedom, he must train for a fight against a 400 pound killer in an underground death match. Yes! I am struck dumb by. Uh, B- wow. budget, budget, the film's budget was 13 million US dollars. Its take at the box office. $98,000. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, so this is going to be fun. Carolyn,
0: I will get you back for this. Yes. And I intend yes. to do so very soon. I'm a little bit concerned because, obviously, you have outmaneuvered me in the first round, like <laughs> kicking the cinema ball into the, a corner where, that 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 that's a, got Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. So I'm going to have to work hard to get the yeah. cinema ball uh, out of there before you score a goal. So nice. I will be –
1: I will be working
0: hard at this as I try and deal with this movie.
1: Okay. Well, everyone, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much for joining us for this inaugural episode of Cinema Ball. We'll see you back here next week for another round. Bye, everybody.